What's up, guys? Welcome to Fit Food Radio. This is episode 185, and it's me, Matt Whitmore, and of course, me, uh, <laughs> Keris Marsden. A bit of a bunged up. Me. Oh, bunged up. Yeah. Bit schnotty, but still grafting away, aren't you? I am indeed. Doing a podcast. Doing it, yeah. Just talking and yeah, that. <laughs> just talking and that. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. First podcast of 2024. I mean, 2024 sounds so futuristic, doesn't it? I remember when the millennium hit. Sorry, I've just noticed you got a spot on the side of your head. I was going to say, you keep glancing at something. <laughs> I just want to squeeze it. Oh, yeah, leave it alone. That, that totally needs a squeeze. How, how, have you, how can you walk around with that and not squeeze I'm not it? I'm obsessed with spots like you. That's strange. Weirdo. Stop looking at it. <laughs> My God, I see she was distracted. I was like, either I got like a bit of air sticking up or... I'm not, not in the sense of like going, oh, it's an awful spot, but like, I just want to squeeze it. It's got squeezability written all over That's it. It's so funny. What is it with like girls and, and spots and squeezing them? Yeah, lots of, I'm sure men like squeezing the spots as well. I don't know. All I know is, like, every girlfriend I've had has had an obsession with squeezing spots. Yeah, there's just something about I can't look at a spot that needs squeezing without wanting to squeeze okay. it. Well, you're going to have to wait because we're busy. Um, <laughs> if anyone hears you, like, yelp halfway through, I've yeah. just gone in. <laughs> just, <laughs> no messing. <laughs> just, like, lunged in. And... But today we thought we'd talk about some things that we've changed our mind on over time change yeah. our stance on like cause we were having a little chat about this the other day weren't we in yeah. fact you asked the question you're like you know what what are some big things that you've changed your mind on in the world of training nutrition and you know that's going to be based on like some new research coming out but also like anecdotal stuff as well you know through stuff that we've been doing with ourselves with our clients and, and had like a big success on but actually i just remember something what Keris said before we start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was. I, I can. I can mention it when I talk about what I've changed my mind on. Okay, so yeah. don't say it. No. Okay, there you go. Left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger there. That's something to look forward to. All right, then, cool. So, oh, God, I was getting right into it. I know. I'm very. I was just, when you got straight in. I was like, where, where, "Where's the waffle? Where's the waffle? Mr. Waffle more. In waffle more. That's your next T-shirt." Yeah, but that would mean nothing to anyone else. Just me. We've had run more. Hit more. Hit more, but which, which was boxing, by the way. Not, yeah, not run just... more was obviously when I was doing the marathon. Hit more was when I was doing the boxing. But I did have one for uh, lift more, team lift more. Did what do you reckon? I think waffle more. Yeah, but that's... Just waffle away more. That would be just my T-shirt, though. <laughs> yeah. I, speaking of waffle, I had the funniest waffle this morning with... Someone in Marks and Spencer's, one of the staff there. And I asked, I said, where are, will you be getting any chicken thighs in today? And honest to God, it was a 10 minute reply. It was, it was wow. interesting, but it was about what days they get the chicken thighs, the size of the tray and how she knows what, what trays are what. And because the size of the tray, she knows it's the chicken thighs. And, and there's a delay at the moment because there's a supply issue. And that is a record conversation about chicken thighs for me. Do you think she was head of poultry? <laughs> yeah. Chief poultry officer. Yeah. She knows the ins and outs. <laughs> Ask her about a steak though, game over. Yeah, it's not, not my aisle, mate. Not my aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get ahead, red meat <laughs> officer. Yeah, you'd love that job. <laughs> to be fair, that's a bit of me. Yeah. That is a bit of me. But we don't need to waffle. I'm sure there'll be a lot of waffle in the podcast once we get I into the... I like waffle. Sometimes waffle gives me um, 
AMSR, you know, the tingly feeling. Just not my waffle. No. <laughs> you like pension and waffle does that for me. Sorry, sorry, it's, uh, sorry I don't do it for you. Sorry. What is it, the accent or No, you've got to be over seventy and, oh, okay. and then I don't know what it is. Like if that is interesting you say that because when you think about it Isn't AMSR Chuck... AMSR is so weird. But this is a really good point. Yeah. If you hear someone talking yeah. You can almost just tell it's an old person. Let's say you just heard their voice. Like that's an old person speaking. You yeah. know. So when does your voice change then? I don't know. See what I mean? Because like, I think my dad's hasn't changed, or my mum's, to be fair. I wouldn't say their voice no, voices have changed. That's what I'm saying. They haven't they haven't hit that point yet. Does, they're going to get the Did t- your nans change? Because I don't remember ever thinking your nan's voice could ever be anything different. No, but I suppose in my mind, like, my nan's always been old. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's my nan. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. So, that's a good point, that. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be on my mind now. <laughs> oh my God, you've got old. <laughs> just, like, you might just hear it in your dad one. You know, like your voice breaks when you're a kid. Yeah, into yeah. Into like, like, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. all of a sudden it goes deeper. Like, when you, does it happen again when you go past a certain age? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. just, it would just break mid-sentence into like old person voice. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching old home videos at Christmas a few years ago. Do you remember this? The family. Yeah. And you couldn't get over my older brother, who's always been like, proper northern and really deep voice. And yeah. you know, like, well, you do a better impression than me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on all the videos, it's like, hey, girl, <laughs> hey. <laughs> go, hey, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> so who, who's he? He just woke up one day. Went, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll go old dead quick. Like, yeah. Wake up one day and go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite oh, funny. he's gone old. <laughs> I, I was chatting to a mate of mine yesterday, and uh, for some reason, whenever we speak on the phone, it's like we, we always do accents. And um, yesterday it was like, oh, what proper, you're right, mate, like, like that. And we just like ended every sentence with mate, and then we were just like, I just think it'd be so cool to be northern, to have a, to have a northern twang. You really? know what I mean? <laughs> but then it's like the northern people do impressions of southerners all the time. Yeah, they must do. I mean, I I always notice a difference when we we, we go to, go back to Derby where yeah. I grew up, and it's funny because everybody sounds like my uncle in Derby. Yeah, Every do, single voice I hear, I'm like, oh, it's my uncle, and yeah. I like, turn around because they're like, right, look, right, look, look. And I'm like, oh, or my auntie. And I look, I, like I said to you, oh, I can just hear my auntie's and uncles all here because they've stayed in Derby. Or one of my uni friends as well, Rachel. Like everyone, and I spoke to her sister and they sound identical. And it's like, I, don't, I couldn't tell you a Derby accent until I'm in Derby. Yeah. And then it's so strong, but I could never mimic it other than look. That's about it. Yeah. And actually someone said, isn't it bus that the only time anyone can ever tell I'm bus. Northern is when I say bus. And then, uh, no, yeah. I'm pretty sure people can tell you northern. No, no, you can't. But you are. Well, not. I don't know. Like, as in, people don't normally. People just go, your accent's really accent. <laughs> your yeah, your accent's really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know what was going on there. <laughs> no, you, you've got. I mean, you've forever had a northern twang. To me, obviously, being a southern southerner and all that. Yeah. But it's mild. Yours is very mild compared yeah. to your dad, your mum, your older brother, and your uncle, and well, pretty much the rest of your family, really. Yeah. <laughs> Most of which still live up north, so that yeah. would make sense. Yeah, but again, you know, like our, our northern listeners are going to pull you up on this. You know, you're, you're Midlands, Kerish. You're not. You're not a northerner. Oh yeah, yeah. You've said this before. Oh, no, no. Well, no. Peak District is pretty north. Yeah, but that's kind then of. Then I was like, in Cheshire. That's just outside of. 
it's north of Derby. Yeah, ever so slightly. Well, it's yeah. not Birmingham. Birmingham's Midlands. Yeah, exactly. But you've got East Midlands, Bromai. West Midlands. I can do Bromai. <laughs> <laughs> You're from Dordley, Bob. <laughs> How am ya? Um, anyway, I tried not to waffle, but you took me there. Yeah, that, that was the waffle, waffle we did. Waffle intro. But um, I love that you went, I'm going to get straight into it. And then I've just told you off well, on an eight minute waffle. Exactly. So you just fessed up that that was your doing, not yeah, mine sorry. for a change. But as mentioned, yeah, we thought we'd just like discuss a few things we've changed our stance on, the, the reason behind it. You yep. know, the logic, if you will. It's not to say it's right or wrong, people. It's just our opinion, isn't it? But Actually, I was listening to a... Um, uh, who was the presenter on High Performance Podcast? I've never actually listened to it, but I was listening to him being interviewed on Off Air with Jane and Fee. You right. listened to it a few times, don't you? Do you know his name? You no, no, no. It? Look it up quick. I'll have a Sounds look like a good podcast. I don't know why I've not really you, come across you it. You keep talking then, I'll find it. And he was saying about how much he's stepped away from... I think he was in um, sports presenting originally, but he was saying that one of the things he doesn't like is is how, like in sports, you're not allowed to kind of make mistakes or, you know, like even referees are told they can't make mistakes and obviously sports footballers and things like that get, get hammered for tripping over and all these kind of, mis- you know, things that happen on the pitch. And he was saying like, we're kind of dehumanising sports a bit because it's natural to make mistakes. It's natural to um, get things wrong and... And of course, like as a referee, sometimes you're just going to miss things or you're going to yeah. make a decision on something. It might not be the right one. But he was saying that what he's loved about kind of interviewing his guests on High Performance Podcast is he said the best people constantly evolve and are not scared to say like, I was wrong on that and I've really yeah. changed my stance on that. And he said, I wish I heard that more from MPs because that would show education is taking place, enlightenment, awareness, like listening is taking place. And I think that's the great thing about if you're a nutritionist or a personal trainer, you have to be saying, I've totally changed my stance on this because if you're not, then you're not really growing and, and you're not really, because everything we learn it's really interesting as part of a curriculum or course to be any kind of health professional. When you then go and implement it with a client, it's a whole different ball game. Even going back to, do you remember learning the kettlebell swing? Mm. <laughs> and we went to Budapest train for three, four days and learn every single teaching detail. And then you get back to the gym and hand a kettlebell to someone and go, whoa, like, how did you, how did you even invent that movement from what I just said? Like they would completely do something yeah yeah they do something completely different and all that teaching knowledge that we've been given I was like I'm gonna have to come up with my own stuff here like to I mean it was great but and then eventually you also start to go actually that thing I was taught isn't very safe for some people it doesn't it's not very effective for some people it's overcomplicated for some people and so you develop you know the ability to personalize a different style you know of teaching you know based on that experience so I think it's really important that anyone that you're working with should be almost laughing about things they did 10 years ago and going yeah. <laughs> and apologizing if you've still got clients I, I, I'm actually friends with a lot of people that, I, that were initially my clients 10 years ago and I'm like they should go do you remember when you made us do this and I'm like I'm really sorry I'm just so sorry <laughs> like yeah. I'd read this book but, <laughs> it, just but thought, it's all part of the journey though, it is all part like, of the journey yeah and, and I think like like you say like I think I've shared this before, but, you know, I, I remember I love seeing, like, that thing on social media where someone said, like, you know, if you don't look back at the stuff you were doing 10 years ago, like, in your in the world of, like, fitness and nutrition and do a face part, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then no, you're not absolutely. growing. Don't get me wrong, like, some stuff has very much stood the test of time, you know, like the foundations, if you will. But, yeah, I look back at some of the stuff I used to do 
I even just on myself, like training wise and with clients and same on like the nutrition level, you know, and I mean, we've always been quite transparent with that though, I think. Yes. Like no, how, no, we, how we, how we have evolved things and, you know, we've done the, we've done the very hardcore strict nutrition like we've done the kind of very absolutes when it comes to exercise this is the best thing for this well you know? i think the other really interesting thing is now there's a real push on like evidence-based nutrition which needed to happen because there was a lot of just invention of, yeah. of like information and what's good with nutrition is there's now a lot more good quality research out there a lot more kind of robust science there's still some real gray areas but what i will say is just because there's a randomized controlled trial about something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for an individual or be the right thing for everybody. No. I, I think that's the other thing that we have to, and that could apply to exercise, that could apply to nutrition, meditation, you know, all these things. I think the journey that every individual has is like finding out what's going to work for you. Yeah. And it, it's, if you think about it, like the variables in terms of the human body, like let's think about the human body for a second, like in terms of your emotion mental and emotional history mine mm -hmm. and yours completely different we have different yeah. stress triggers we have different anxiety triggers different reactions to situation we actually have different biochemistry in terms of we've often said this like you're a bit more of a risk taker i'm more risk averse there's a good chance that genetics play into that and the way that we make brain chemicals plays into that and metabolize them and stuff like that but also our past experiences mm -hmm. might feed into that yeah and then also genetics along the lines of like your physical health. So like, look at your physique compared to my physique. So how can me and you apply the same principles of nutrition and supplements? Mm. And ex we, we, we actually can't, you know, th there's going to be some variation between what works for me and what works for you. And more than just the fact that you have to have about three times the amount of calories and protein and whatever that I have to have. I mean, beyond that, like certain foods are going to work better for your gut than they do for my gut. Like yeah. certain exercises are going to feed your soul and make you feel awesome and they're not going to work for me and I'm going to get injured. Do you know what I mean? And I just think, you know, there might be this thing about 20 reps on a quad exercise gives you maximal like hypertrophy on the quads, like you know, yeah. quads of steel. And, you know, we could both implement that and, and you might get the gains and I might not for various different, there's so many factors that could play yeah. into it. Right. Even just looking at things like not just those big things I've mentioned, but the thoughts going around your head now are completely different to the thoughts going around my head. And you guys listening, it's completely different biochemistry, chemicals, emotions, mm. flooding the system. Immune system is like your fingerprint. Your gut microbiome. It's like your fingerprint. Like we're so genetically unique that there's just always going to be that variation but yeah. whilst there's key things we suggest most people do don't be surprised if something doesn't work for you or yeah. or like you know you don't kind of fit what seems to work for everybody else i guess i'm trying to say i sometimes wonder how we're even doing these trials in some ways do you know what i mean i, th yeah. I think they're important and i think they bring about like some key things in terms of broad associations and helping us understand myths like you know eating red meat is a cause of heart disease yeah. for example but like when we start to get down to the detail of you know the, this many grams of this is right for you the, the, the specifics yeah yeah but the thing is and this is what's hard i think is i'll share this and then we'll get into it yeah yeah because I think the hard thing is, is, is people like specifics. Yeah. People want to know that if I do this, it's going to achieve that. You know what I mean? People don't like it depends answers. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's all well and good. 
But then there's also a rules that be there. Rules are there to be broken in the brain. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying, part of you is like, well, if that's the right, there's a good exactly. chance I'm going to do the wrong at some point, and then I'm going to go, why have you done that? And, and that's why like people need to have a more open mind and just be more flexible with things. I've lost my train of thought there, Keris. Sorry, you screwed sorry. me up. What Can I, I just say? say, speaking of mistakes, no, I think you, I said AMSR at the beginning, and it's AS. ASMR. ASMR, Because yeah. I thought, in case you ask me, I'll just quickly I'm, Google it. I know and what you meant, anyway. Autonomous sensory meridian response. You don't get that, do you? I do from some things, but not not things that a lot of people do. Not pensioners' voices. No, I like pensioners' voices, but <laughs> oh, you do? specifically Caribbean pensioners. <laughs> Expand on that. No, I just, I find the, the Caribbean or Caribbean... Caribbean. Caribbean. I don't know. Caribbean. I say Caribbean actually. I say Caribbean I, I, chicken. I just find the. I just love the Caribbean. Caribbean accent. I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a very happy. Were you exposed to that um, as a child? Like a lot yeah, as a child. Yeah, a lot, yeah. A lot, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I've just always, I've always loved it. It's just something about it. I guess. I think mine would be childhood exposure as well. As in, like, yeah. You, yeah, I guess the times when you're with your grandparents or something were always nice. Yeah, of course. So I always find elderly voices really. Sorry, I've got a throat sweet in at the moment. Take it out, really. Um, well, I remembered what I was going to say now. Go on then. So, like, the one thing is, like, people like, like, absolutes. Yeah. But people also. Oh, shit, I forgot it again. <laughs> Oh no, that's it. People, no, no. Um, people like almost like really kind of almost out there stuff, you know. And I was actually reading a an extremes. Art. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Well done. That's a better <laughs> word. <laughs> no, but it's like it's it's almost like. So I was reading a, a post the other day on on Instagram by a guy called Mike Samuels on uh, social media. He's the coffee shop coffee uh, coffee, coffee shop copywriter. He he's a, great he's, post. he's amazing. He's yeah, amazing. He we've, we've known him for some years now, and it just yeah. It's about the only person whose copy I read. <laughs> Same, yeah, yeah. But he did a post about this the other day where he was like, because at this time of year it's January, New Year, New You, and all of that. You know, people like us and God knows how many other personal trainers and nutritionists are trying to sell like uh, transformation plans, right? Yeah. Um, but he's saying like the days of kind of like, oh, you know, just you know, lose weight, tone up, you know, in 30 days, that, those days are gone. Like people almost want like a, a, something that's going to really catch their eye now, like something like random like. He didn't say this, but I'm just thinking of something that's just a bit random, like, you know, like lose 10 pounds in 10 days eating onions or something like that. Or like, the cottage cheese and prawn diet. Yeah, like, it's like just podcast. something really random yeah. that I get people, or, you know, like lose, drop a stone without exercising. And yeah. it's all like, oh, you know, it's the extreme thing. Dancing seems to be the thing this year. I keep seeing yeah. so many people with dancing things on their phones. After you said it, I've seen about three or four people with... Oh, really? It's like they're watching a dance thing like a dance workout but they're not but, actually doing it they're watching it on the bus but this is the hard thing is like <laughs> like we're not we, we I don't know it almost doesn't tie in with like what we're about because we're like yeah well you don't actually have to exercise to lose weight but you should probably exercise for health and longevity yeah, and, yeah. and all of that but then that's not really a sexy post is it lose a stone without exercising but you should exercise because <laughs> it's good for your bones and, <laughs> and preventing muscle wastage. I think Mike Samuels would have something to say about your copywriting skills. I know, there. yeah, it needs, it needs, it needs work. It yeah. needs work. But but again, I'm just all I'm saying is is that's kind of part of the struggle. Is like 
we don't really believe in rigidity as such, but it's almost like people want rigidity. You know, we don't we don't believe in faddy gimmicks to try and draw people's attention, but it's almost like but that's what catches people's eye. That's what gets people's yeah. attention. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Neil. Let's move on. On our last Strong 60, I always do a session on supplements and yeah. show people how to know what supplements work for you, how to personalize it, and what's the best thing to invest in. And actually, this is going to be one of my points today to talk about supplements. But what's so interesting is I often say, like, it's almost not worth paying for some of these supplements unless you do the other things first. You're just never going to see the same outcomes if you yeah. haven't got the diet, the exercise, the sleep, all of that stuff dialed in. And I can say all of this. And it's always the same supplement everybody asks about. Like if, if, you, if I was to pick one supplement right now, you know, that I think everyone should be taking, it would probably be magnesium, I think, vitamin D in the winter. Hmm. And I think second might be you know, creatine in terms of like benefits and cost, cost benefit yeah. analysis. And then I might mention like a few others, like specifically for specific needs. And then collagen comes up. And then after any supplement session, this is when I go into gyms and do stuff on menopause and bone density and everything and work with our clients and our group Strong 60. You can guarantee everybody wants to know that every single bit of detail on collagen. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> Everything else. Like, I think other things are, you know, taken it, but there'll always be three or four questions about collagen. Yeah. No, and I mean, I'll get emailed after events. There's a real... You know, the collagen, the oh, collagen, the collagen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I'm like... What is it about collagen? Is it this belief that it's got some kind of anti-aging? No, but I think, well, A, I think there is that. Like a lot of the way collagen is marketed now is it's along the lines of yeah, anti-aging, yeah. anti you know, all the things that don't go wrong. Like you get, you know, anything about appearance, skin, yeah. things like that, you know, think all the things that people want to try and prevent, you know, wrinkles, aging, blah, blah, blah. So it's going to create that buy-in. But I think it's just everywhere at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. And what's really interesting is for me with skin, the best thing for your skin is a good diet, exercise, sweating generally is really helpful. Yeah. So saunas are really good, but diet is transformational for skin like really overall is. and blood sugar regulation. A lot of skin stuff is linked to insulin resistance, you know, acne and things like that. And, and the second thing can be like kind of hormonal, but the hormonal imbalance can come because of the blood sugar roller coaster. Mm. So, you know, if we're thinking about skin and, I don't know. Then you've got the whole bigger picture of a few tablespoons of collagen ain't going to get rid of. I've got wrinkles, fine lines. I'm not expecting them to disappear with a few spoonfuls you're of collagen. You're aging ever so well, though. Oh, thank you. Honestly, oh, thank like you. You, you're smoking hot. <laughs> uh, I'm I, not smoking, though. That's probably why I'm not aging so badly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's funny because, like, because I often, Excuse me. we often joke, don't we? Well, I often joke that, like, you're aging so much better than me. And I kind of got this, like, I have this vision of, like, when we're 60, I'm going to look 80 and you're going to look 50. The only thing with you is your beard. Like, a beard just makes you look older. When you shave your beard off, your mum thinks you look amazing, whereas I'm like, grow it back because you look about 12 and I look like I'm your mother. <laughs> like, no, you don't. It's not that bad. You do. You do look so young without a beard. I know. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like being beardless. No. I'm like, I, I don't mind how you well, are. Actually, I don't, I don't mind it, but, like, it's, it's, it's a lot of effort to shave every day you know do you know I had a conversation this is kind of relevant-ish with someone in the office who was saying that he grew his hair in lockdown quite long and yeah. his wife was like cut your hair it's really awful cut your hair it's really awful I hate it I don't like it long he was wanting to like think like be able to like tie it back a man bun and um, she did this, she said this all the time to him and then I think she, I think I'm sure he said they were watching a TV programme 
about a woman who was really awful to her husband uh, about his appearance and his weight. And she was watching it. They're watching it together. And she turned to him and went, that's me, isn't it? Like I did that to you. I said, mm. your hair. And that's, I was a, I was like a bitch. Like, why don't you tell me to sod off? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, I should have done. But as a bloke, we're just expected to take that crap off you. But if I'd have turned around to you and said, <laughs> yeah. like, what have you done to your hair, love? Yeah, stay your, stay your stay behind it. Yeah. <laughs> but or, it's funny though, isn't it? Because like... Or he said, the next time you go, do I look fat in this? I, I turned around and went, not in that. You always look fat. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And they had a good laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like, not just in that. In everything. <laughs> like... But it's just that, that male female we talked about before, mm. like how can you sit? So you can have a beard or not have a beard. I think you're beautiful either way, my lovely. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't call me my lovely. That's weird. I never called you my lovely. Yeah, don't but, do it again. <laughs> but you can do whatever you like because it's your facial hair. Damn right. Yeah, I love you either way. Oh, thanks. To, to the core. Yeah. <laughs> Where were we? Well, now we've waffled for 25 minutes. Yeah, right, let's call it back. What have you back. changed? What have you changed your opinion on? Oh, we're starting with me? Yeah. Oh, that's very kind of you. Okay, so this is something that um, I've changed my stance on quite drastically this year alone, I would say, and that is fasting. Oh. Because I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily anti-fasting, but I never really used to give fasting much time, if you know what I mean, in terms of like, you know, when people are talking about intermittent fasting and stuff like that. You know, I've done a bit of intermittent fasting, but that was it. Nothing else. Because so uh, you have to give fasting quite a lot of time for it to be a fast. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But of course, like, as you guys know, I won't, I won't repeat it too much, but, you know, we did a seven-day fast back in, like, uh, May this uh, last year something that potentially was going to help with Keris's symptoms and I was like well you're not doing that on your own I'll do, I'll do it with you and it turned out I've, I felt pretty fantastic for it um, Keris not so much unfortunately but it really opened my eyes to fasting and I started to look into the, the research that's out there behind it um, a little bit more in terms of like you know reducing inflammation in the body improving gut health and you know i had both of these things you know i had i had quite um i had quite a lot of like pain in my body from like niggling injuries that had just been lingering that i've been working around for too long you know that completely cleared up in seven days but the biggest one for me was was my was my gut was my stomach and i just felt so much less so much less bloated and just much less windy just to add like if you're probably thinking yeah because you weren't eating anything i'm actually fast forwarding a bit now to when i did start eating again yeah and i was like i feel i feel phenomenal so it just really opened my eyes because like, i did this thing it was pretty extreme and i'm not suggesting for a second that, that anyone does a seven day fast for sure um like, we had our reasons and i always stress this it's like it, it had absolutely zero to do with aesthetics, weight loss, absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. It was purely um, in support of Keris. But yeah, I came away and I was like, bloody hell, like my gut feels amazing. My pain has gone, you know, pain-free training is back on the menu. Like I'm, I was over the moon, you know, I didn't have that horrible bloat that I'd almost become accustomed to. 
I'd always be, I was almost so used to having this, like almost like a certain level of bloating after meals that I just thought that was just normal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But then it's almost like when you've got something to compare it to and go, oh, actually, no, this, this feels great. Much better than, you know, like when I, the way I was before. Yeah. So since then, like I've done a little bit more on like 24 hour fasts, um, 36 hour fasts. But generally, just leaving longer gaps in between my meals has been beneficial to me. Whereas yeah. before, I used to be like, you know, get the meals in, get the meals in, get the protein, get the calories. But actually now, you know, I much prefer just having almost like a real like bolus amount of food generally in one go. Yeah. Rather than... Have it to prep several meals. Because there's a time factor, I think, though, isn't there? Yeah. I think it's it's a really interesting topic at the moment because we talk to a lot of clients about it and we always kind of personalize the process and there are a lot of people the fasting is definitely not suitable for and you can have a history of eating disorders and and um, maybe again kind of like you know hormone issues thyroid issues you have to be really careful with it and as a woman you know you have to be careful maybe around your menstrual cycle I know a lot of people talk about the book by, I think her name's Mindy Pell's Fasting for Women, but I, I just think the whole thing has to be personalised because mm-hmm. I think ideally I wouldn't be fasting as much as I am, but it's almost the only thing that brings me symptom relief yeah. um, because all of my symptoms happen overnight. So if I can have big gaps between my last meal and bed, so I've been doing some lunch-to-lunch fasting, which is actually a friend of yours who suggested that to me. And I was like, no, because I love my dinner. Like, it's, yeah. it's at the end of the day. But I've actually used that time in the evening to do yoga, which I can't do if I've eaten because my digestion's a bit screwed. Or I'll just use it to do, like, some meditations and um, and have really early nights. And, and you, you know, I keep meaning to get back to some baths. Like, you got me some nice bath salts and stuff. All the things I didn't have time for because once I'd eaten, I have to allow a certain amount of time, etc. What the dog wears now, what the dog straight after work. And it's that's been really nice. But I know Rob Wolf did a really interesting post about this because he's got a lot going on, kind of gut-wise, immune system-wise. And he said that, like, sometimes one of the compromises is your hormones for the sake of trying to fix your gut and I think I'm kind of in that process at the moment yeah. and praying every single day that like at some point I will resolve this issue and and I will be able to you know get back to normal eating but I actually do think for people who have a lot of weight to lose it's a great tool but I would use it with an with a professional if you can Absolutely. if you can't afford to just try and learn from a trusted source um, as much as possible but just so that you don't get carried away there's some great research on for, for everyone needs to do time restricted eating which is you know we shouldn't be eating all the time so yeah. you do need those gaps between meals three to five hours is enough time for the gut to run a cleansing wave and clear away food and help with you know kind of gastrointestinal issues 12 hours overnight is a really nice thing to aim towards and that's been shown to kind of improve your relationship with food because it stops people doing late night yeah sofa eating you know stuff well, that, that was actually... and i think a lot of people can creep that a bit you know to like 13 14 15 and do it gradually but we work with some clients who are very high risk in terms of their body composition and we've had long conversations about mm. actually like our concern is that they can't exercise that much due to inflammation and joint pain and there's an excess load on their joints so actually just you know kind of keeping to low impact stuff and fasting and also if you do struggle with things like portion control and you are overweight it's less opportunity to overeat as well so you're even just reducing that meal frequency 
is beneficial. But as I said, it just helps to be doing it with somebody that you trust yeah. so that you've got that guidance and you don't let it, there's this whole thing of, we, we've had this conversation with clients. It's not dieting. No. It's not, it, it is really like getting you back into a healthy reference range, bringing down your inflammation, bringing down disease risk. Some clients were helping approach, prepare for surgery and things like that, where they need to get their weight down. Um, yeah. One client has, is, has approached us about possibly doing a Zen pick, but wants to have one last go at losing the weight before they go on the drug, you know? Yeah. So again, we're doing kind of talking about that because the other thing is actually losing the weight gives you the motivation. So mm. once you can see results, you start to get on the train and, you know, stay on the train or the wagon, whatever you want to call it. You, you, stay, you know, whereas if you're stalling to get results... You know, and I think the other kind of group I work with quite a bit is women with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. We mm. have that, you know, slightly slower metabolic rate. Studies suggest potentially very significant, especially if insulin resistant. Yeah. So you may have a much lower calorie requirement than a woman the same weight as you who doesn't have PCOS and yeah. insulin resistance. And it's really hard. We've talked about this and. And we've come up with strategies together about how to help them reduce their energy intake, create a deficit without it being too stressful. And you've worked with a lot of women with PCOS and, you know, come up with training programs that are really good at kind of supporting them metabolically. Mm-hmm. Um, but fasting is just one of the tools that we might use because it just makes their life so much easier. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, and this is like a classic example of like, you know, it's always case dependent, you know, with the person you're working with and there's always variables. And like you just said, it's just, it's one of the tools that can be used. It's not the only way. It's not what we suggest to everyone. No. You know, it always depends on the the individual that's in front of us. And funny enough, I, I had this exact conversation with, with one of my clients recently where I said, look, this is something you could potentially try. Absolutely no pressure. You know, like, and but first of all, like, we make sure it's something that they're on board with and for all the right reasons. Yeah. You know, because the thing is, it's hard, right? Because you know that, like, f- fasting is a sensitive subject for some people, and especially when it comes to, you know, if someone is on a on a weight loss journey, um, as part of their overall health journey. You know, if you if they were to ever say to someone like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm only eating one meal a day, for for now they're going to be like, oh, you're obsessed, it's extreme, it's faddy, it's whatever. But it's like, that's just because that person just doesn't doesn't know, you know, doesn't know exactly, you know, the, the whys behind it and yeah, the, the yeah. rationale behind it and things like that. Um, we know, I know, like I, I've never recommended one meal a day to any client, but I know several people in a work capacity who've ended up in a high-risk BMI who've used one meal a day to get to Mm. a healthy BMI. And this is women, so there's no muscle. Like At this point, there was no muscle in any of them. So I'm not saying, you know, if someone wants to write in and go, BMI is a terrible way to assess someone. What about muscle mass? Um, These weren't individuals training at that point in time, and they knew that they were high-risk. And actually, uh, you know, we might get a couple of them on the podcast to come and talk about it because one of them actually is quite vocal on Instagram but she was running and she was eating a healthy diet and she said I I lost some weight but it just wouldn't come off and then I'd start to do one meal a day and and then what's happening now is I think you know as as many of them lose weight they go to two meals a day so they feel Hmm. you know and, and if they plateau then they may start to adjust and adapt again and 
I just think like if that's how an individual gets back into a healthy reference range. And initially when I was quite shocked when they said I'm having one meal a day, I was like, what about your protein intake? What about your yeah. nutrient needs? You know, what about, what about, but actually if they've gone from a high risk BMI to a, to a healthy BMI, yeah. like, that's a game changer for them in terms of, 100%. and they, you know, I said, are you eating real food when you do have that meal? Yes, yes, definitely. And it's a balanced meal and off plate of veg. And, you know, so, you know, it's not enough, but it's also, there's, there's storage there. There's a yeah. lot of storage. Yeah. So you have like, uh, you know, someone else asked me about uh, what I'm under eating. I was a client trying to lose weight. And I was like, well, if you're not, and they said, I'm not hungry. Um, and I don't really, I'm really struggling to have that snack to meet my protein requirement that you suggested. And I was like, no, 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 if you're not hungry, don't eat. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you eating for the sake of meeting a protein requirement. Yeah. I think this is your body. Now that you've taken out high palatable foods, which overrides, you know, a lot of kind of feedback from the body that there's enough energy to get, get through, yeah. you know, you've taken that out and maybe you're, there's, I think it's very natural to have that down regulation of appetite as your body goes, yeah, I've got enough. I've got enough. I'm fine. And, and since we did the seven day fast, I didn't fast at all for quite a while. I wanted to actually put back on the weight and the muscle. Yeah. But again, recently, I don't know if. Uh, well, that was the big reason as to why we, we think I did so much better on it than you is because like I had, Oh, you'll have more my, muscle glycogen. And yeah, stuff my like reserves that. were yeah, just definitely. so much better. You could work and function. But what I was going to say was, I only recently started again having, I managed to get back to, I'd say, like the weight I was before yeah. the fast. Um, and it's funny, I could only do that in the UK. I really struggled abroad because of the heat and things yeah. like that. But when I came home, it was quite easy in the UK to stuff your face. Huh. <laughs> just like, give me food. It's so cold. And now I've been doing fast again. Like, I've had, as I get to winter, I don't know if it's like, what it is, whether it's like sads and stuff like my mood kind of has died. I've had a few kind of flare ups with my gut. And so I've ended up doing fast with you, but I've said to you, like, it's, it's definitely easier. I think I'm getting, my body's adapting. Mm. I'm, I'm quite high in fat anyway, but I think I'm definitely fat adapted. I can go through, I've got a bit more reserves maybe, but I haven't done anything long. The longest I've done is 40 hours, I think since we've been back. Yeah. And that was on a day where I was getting my hair cut and stuff like that. So it was really easy and I took like, electrolytes. Distraction. Yeah. So uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know that I can do much more, but I do quite like doing lunch to lunch has been like a real surprise to me and again i'm not suggesting anyone does this especially if you again have that history of like under eating we're not advising we're not medical in, in that sense but again like you know just to stress like your your reasons for fasting now are still very much about <laughs> your trying trying to get on top of your symptoms well it's a really interesting one like i said my symptoms come overnight so the earliest i can eat the better and there's something a bit soul destroying about eating your dinner at three do you know what i mean so it's almost easier to eat your lunch have a bigger lunch yeah around two and then actually it's a bit like Christmas day you know how you're never that hungry once you've had that so I've almost been doing that still find room (laughs) yeah (laughs) and actually over Christmas we ended up eating a big Christmas dinner didn't we having a dessert and then pretty much on every family occasion we didn't eat dinner that night because we were like we've actually eaten like enough Um, but Christmas did do you know what did me in this Christmas like it's crazy (laughs) I decided to have some celeriac and carrot on it didn't I on Christmas day and boy and some peanuts and oh my god did i pay for that like it was it was a smelly affair (laughs) it was not smelly it was just my stomach swelled like i was like (laughs) i don't remember it being smelly well maybe maybe you're immune to your i'm just trying to remember that i'm being very honest here and i will normally declare if there's like well you know let's you know oh was that when you made a comment about it being fruity yeah oh i remember that um yeah see (laughs) It's all coming back to you now. But 
but here's the thing for me, right, is because I think something that the the fast, the seven-day fast, like, kind of intrigued me on was I was like, this is mad that I have actually feel very energized. Don't write, like I've always said, I've, I felt hungry. I would have gladly eaten at any yeah. point. But I was like, energy's up. No energy crashes whatsoever. Like, like I said, gut felt better. Uh, joint pain went... I remember thinking this, I was, it almost took me by surprise because I was ready to feel horrendous on this fast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't. I was literally the polar opposite. And then I said to you, I'm now almost intrigued as to how I would do with a fast and still train. So recently I've actually done like a, some, some like longer fast, you know, like 36 hours, 48 hours. And I've trained within that time, you know, and then of course not replenished through food like I normally would. And performance-wise, like, my numbers are all the same, you know, in terms of, like, the weights I was lifting for the reps. I got a run in there as well, and I felt really, really good. Um, but, of course, you know, I've got an element of reserves that would kind of back me for a bit. Yeah. And, of course, you know, if I was to then extend that fast and continue to train, no doubt I would see a dip in performance. Yeah, but- I think that's important to, to know is, like, that it's just be careful of stacking stress on top of stress on top of stress because yeah. you already follow like you're kind of very low carb or at least cyclical L- with your carbs L- lower carb for lower sure. carb and you cycle them don't you so mm. around like intense training and you you know to add kind of a low carb diet fasting and then intense training you've got to be able to be, you're very good at reading your body you're very good at going i'm not training today whereas some people mm. just, just do not i I'm, i don't always have that in me you know what i mean i'll sometimes yeah, like I mean, for my mental health i'm going to train so i have to train i'm good at i can dial it down a little bit but some people will even struggle to do that because they like to hit yeah. a certain pace and time and everything for every single workout and, or weights you know whatever so i think if you are going to do this sort of thing in monitoring something like heart rate variability with a, an aura or a whoop is really good um you also get to bed really early and or you've said like you've had a bit of sleep deficit sleep issue recently but i think also you still you eat nutritious food you know you you walk you are like you know um get as much sleep as you feasibly can you at least get six to seven hours do you know what i mean so even on a bad night and uh, you know so i just think if anyone out there is thinking about these different things just be careful and i'm in some of the kind of carnivore low-carb keto groups where there's people talking about this saying like just be really careful because you can completely crash and your yeah. hormones would will tell you this like you're well, and you recently did we did your blood like we check in on bloods yeah. and you did your bloods recently and everything looks really good so you've got a good yeah. foundation there was no deficiencies your testosterone levels healthy so whereas some people you know, may have been off the back of like, you know, training for a marathon and then decide to try fasting mm. and then decide to do something else. And Well, I mean, another reason I wanted to share that was because like the reason like it, this has been a, a bit of a, a big thing I've changed my stance on is because like I said, I came from that old school originally eat little and often, you know, it's best for building muscle, fat loss and all of that. So I was eating six meals a day. Then that, that changed over time. But I, I once was a person who was like, I could have never even entertained the thought of training in a fasted state. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, whereas now I'm like, no, no, your body can cope. Your body can handle it. You know, just because you've got X amount of hours without food. Yeah. You know, you don't need to have like a pre-workout meal right now because your body's 
got the reserves to, to pull this out of the bag. So a lot of it for me is very almost experimental on myself and potentially nothing bigger than that. Yeah. To see what my body can handle, to see what it can do. But like you said, I think the big thing is, is like I've got a lot of control there over that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, this, yeah. this isn't an aesthetics thing. This isn't an obsession thing. It's just like an, an element of intrigue that has been opened up through my experience with fasting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is that it then? That's one thing then. Yeah. I, think, I don't think we're going to get the, the four, six things. We're no. going to do six, three each, aren't we? What if I do one more and then the next episode can be yours? Go on then. Do you want to do it like that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, mine kind of like, uh, my next one kind of like ties in with the first one a little bit. And you mentioned it earlier, you gave the game away. Yeah. Is a carb intake. Okay. And now again, you know, this, this isn't a right or wrong thing. This is based on my personal experience and I've and the, the benefit I've seen. And, and this again came off the back of the seven day fast. And this started initially, bizarrely, because... I, at the beginning of the seven day fast, was daydreaming about the foods I was going to break the fast with. And it was all carb heavy stuff. I just wanted all the carbs. And as, as the fast went on, I was craving protein. I was craving fat. I was craving salt. And then when I came, when I broke the fast and was introducing food, those continued to be the foods that I, that I wanted. Yeah. I did still have carbs, but just a lot less than, than normal. And what I soon realized was whenever there was a time that I tried to ramp the carbs up again, the gut discomfort would come back, the wind, the energy crashes. And because I'd experienced this real high, I was almost like, hmm, I don't like feeling this way. You know what I mean? I've yeah, almost yeah. become used to feeling a different way. So again, I drain the carbohydrates in a little bit. And I was like, ah, I feel better for this. <laughs> Nothing, because we did have a chat this morning where I said to you that there was, over Christmas, you were having more beers, which you had stopped having, hadn't you? Yeah. I only said on Christmas Day, you and my brother had a conversation where you were both like, he was saying, I don't think I can drink beer anymore. Like, I literally wake up with the worst sinuses. And I think... I'd actually sent my brother to a herbalist and she said it's either it could be the gluten or the yeast like you could have yeast infections in your sinuses and all sorts of stuff and so I said to him I said it's, it's probably it's either the the alcohol itself or it's the yeast or again it's like beer is beer and wine are the two that would mm. be probably most triggering to something yeah. like a sinus infection and then you've got sulfites as well in a lot of alcohol and it was interesting because you were having the morning after kind of we would go out and you'd have beer and then you'd we, a few times we got we have this amazing Portuguese pirapiri chicken place but you yeah. get the rice don't you and then you'd I wake know. up and go oh the rice I feel terrible and bloated and I was like wait a minute you had about five pints of beer how do you know it was the rice it just makes me laugh because no like, because there have been times when I've had just the beer and it's not done it. and it's not been it's not been so bad but there was always more beer on the nights that we ate out and had a drink you outing me man. I am outing you Maybe you were keeping You out and me for fruity wind. <laughs> there you go, one all, one all. But but yeah, so like Kerry said now, like I like just to be clear, I, I'm not no carb. Like I do eat carbohydrates, but I would say I'm substantially lower, lower than what I was before. And I feel much better for it from a from a gut health point of view, from a bloating point of view. And in terms of my performance, it's it's not been impacted in a negative way whatsoever. You know, I still very much have the energy to train, to push hard, you know, even on like my long run sessions and really kind of like quite high intensity interval sessions, you know, I, I feel great. 
I, I don't feel like there's, there's anything missing there. But I think that's because I am still topping up, you know, my, my glycogen stores with a with with a bit of carb cycling. But again, <laughs> beer <laughs> and beer, yeah. <laughs> I need carbs. Let's get the beers in. Um, A lot of people that train hard always say they crave beer, though, don't they? Yeah. You know, when we when yeah. we did Primal Con with Mark Sisson, he said he used to think about a beer at the end of every. When he was doing like a triathlon and triathlon, he's like, all I could think about was a cold beer at the very end. Yeah, oh, don't. I can I can totally I can totally hear that, but. But again, it's I crave like a cold drink. I can't stand beer, so I wouldn't know. Well, yeah, there you go. You got a lot can't of beer. Really crave cold, cold sense. wine. <laughs> you could, to be fair, maybe. But yeah, so that, that's just something that, that has been a complete one eighty for me. Like I used to be all about like get the carbs in, as well as obviously my, my protein and a variety of fats. Whereas what I'd say now is, as a result, my protein intake has actually gone up, which is quite surprising because I was eating quite a lot anyway. Yeah, because obviously you know, I'm not having as many carbohydrates. So my overall protein and fat intake has, has definitely gone up. And and this is just something that's working really, really well for me right now. They, the, do, they do say, I can't remember who the researcher was that was talking about as we age, that he doesn't think that we'll get away with as much of the kind of, not just processed foods, but like Neolithic foods, which uh-huh. is when we went towards more grains and dairy. Yeah. And he thinks everyone as they age will have to start reconsidering. But also, I think because this isn't necessarily a factor for you, although your blood sugars do do some funky stuff, don't they? I but do. I'm, I'm um, you become more insulin resistant with age, and especially as a woman, as you enter perimenopause and menopause, yeah. you become more insulin resistant. So there's a chance that uh, you know lower carb <clears throat> is going to be just a lot more help, more helpful for more people. So it might just be something that you're coming to as you're because you. When I first met you in your early 20s, you could eat absolutely anything and everything. And like, you ate a lot more than you do now as well. Mm. You ate insane amounts of food. Oh, it was quite disgusting, really. Wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't disgusting. It was just more kind of like... Well, no, it was. It, I was I was a greedy bastard. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to buy a pack of six cinnamon and raisin bagels. And I'm sure you've mentioned this as if it before, like it's your, <laughs> it's your defining yeah, Because I look moment. back now and I'm like, I, I would never do that six now. Six bagels. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, that's madness. I don't want to do anything with them. I wouldn't slice them open, butter them or nothing, and just eat them, like... Straight away. Like they were cakes. But, yeah, I don't think it's just you. Like, I, I have a lot... I would say a lot of male clients who can put away a lot of carbohydrates. And But what's interesting is then just... I think as the body changes and with age, suddenly they start to feel a bit rough and gut mm. dysfunction is a big factor for a lot of a big reason why men get in touch and will say like something's going off in my gut or you know possibly like you know pre-diabetic or something like that and then I look and I'm like oh you know the kind of muesli plus the fruit plus the dried fruit yeah. on the muesli do you know what I mean like that's just not the right breakfast for you anymore as you age no, okay, we yeah. need to switch this around and you can make small tweaks with that and it's like we're going back to Greek yogurt with a few berries now instead and you know instantly they feel better so I think it could be something relating to age but I think for a lot of people gut dysfunction because half of the carbohydrates that we are eating are really processed and refined as well yeah. and that's you know the kind of typical and, and I do at the minute you know I'd say <laughs> I'd probably say my carbs at the moment come from rice fruit and and beer yeah the odd what beer. is it, what is how many carbs are in beer I should I know, know probably but because I never suggest it to my clients I know actually no so I think you should have one beer with uh, yeah yeah <laughs> no but like you know um I probably say that's where the majority of it comes from. And then 
interestingly at Christmas, you know, I indulged a little bit as many do and, you know, got stuck into your mum's homemade bread, which is epic. I was going to say, you, but you didn't this year, not like you usually not like you I, did I, I, one day this year. Yeah, one day. And I, I, I mean, but, but interestingly, again, like I, I think because I've kind of got something to compare it to now, like I felt like I said to you, didn't I? I was like, I feel like I've swallowed like litres of wet cement and it's now just set in my stomach yeah, like yeah. it felt rock hard and so bloody uncomfortable whereas before I think because that was almost like a slightly more frequent feeling I didn't really think much of it yeah, but because yeah. I kind of had the opportunity to experience a different feeling which I liked um, and it, you know and again like you know I'm, I'm not talking aesthetics here body comp or anything it was a feeling I hated that feeling of being bloated I hated the energy crashes I was at one point do you remember every evening without fat we'd eat dinner normally within 30 minutes I'd be like nodding off on the sofa yeah yeah you know and you'd or be on the floor and you'd give me a little kick be like wait like you're missing the program but I genuinely was like knackered and that does not happen now. I know, but like, that was probably also your digestive system going, this is going to take a lot of energy, so yeah. I'm going to put you to sleep whilst, yeah, I, whilst, I, get to, whilst I get to work. But <laughs> I suppose is, like... It's, the, it's also interesting because my mum does pretty much carnivore diet. Yeah. And, and again, I think I've mentioned this before, She her, her bowel was perforated accidentally in a colonoscopy and her digestion has never been the same. No. And this has been the first thing where she's like, gosh, it's like, I have nothing, no symptoms yeah. whatsoever. And I can you know be normal but she she does this thing where she breaks for Christmas and last year I was like I don't think you should do this like I think if you found something that works I couldn't get my head around it and I didn't mean that as in I couldn't understand why she wouldn't want those foods I was more worried about the dangers of it because I don't think you should do carnivore plus cheat day I'm not sure how that works out for people do you know what I mean because right. I think the reason it works is that kind of low yeah. fermentation within the gut and changing the microbiome and changing the immune system so I always worry when someone's like I'm going to do this in a cheat day because I'm like that's fine if you if it's a weight loss thing because mm. you can always just adapt calories but when it's an immune system thing or a gut thing it could set you back and yeah. I'm not sh- I'd, I'd be nervous for that person but she did it again this year and then she said on Christmas day she was like oh god my st- you know my stomach I feel awful but you know I've just enjoyed a mince pie and like yeah. you some bread and stuff and then and then soon as it gets to January 1st she's like right back on and, and she and she's better than me on it like in terms but, of but she to won't fair, touch anything now except basically meat fish but, but and eggs and that's the, it. The, the food spread that your mum put on on Christmas day like I can say like it, it was worth the discomfort. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sometimes you just got to make that decision. Like you know, you you, you know, you, there's going to be some discomfort there for a couple of days, but it's going to be worth it. But again, like that comes Actually, down to. Actually, I do remember you dropping a few. Just to get you back. When you did drop a few stinkers, I remember thinking I haven't smelt this for a while. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, like, like, ah, how smells of bay and rosemary because you got me a nice no, again, for Christmas, but, and that's all it smells. But, but this is the point. I'm, I'm, I really am trying, and I, and I hope I am getting this point across here. Like me lowering carbs was nothing to do with. I, I don't. I don't think carbs are bad. I, I. You know. I. I love carbs, and I know that a lot of people, you know, do very well from consuming a lot more carbohydrates than me but their, their gut is probably in better nick than mine yeah think, you know what I mean and, I think also you're not alone in terms of having had like putting a lot of stress on your gut in terms mm. of training and you've said in the past like playing rugby and you'd finish you know a really intense 
match and then you all go out and have 10 pints and and then you could get away with eating anything as a teenager in your early 20s so you did and so there's just maybe some level of dysfunction now yeah. that's arisen from that and you know, yeah. I, I see it a lot in, in people who've done a lot of you know intense sports and and had things like a lot of leucosades and gels and stuff and their guts just get messed up so i think like the thing we know a lot of people in this industry have also ended up with like chronic inflammatory bowel disease and stuff you know and, and ibs yeah. and all sorts of things so i think the fact that you're putting in an intervention now that really works before you get to a point where Better you have to never or, or you have to have never yeah, have no of course. choice and again like in my situation, I don't know what COVID did, but it, it, either from a bacteria or motility side of things, like fermentation is not my friend no, at all. No, and so same, <laughs> same as you, not. it works for me to be almost zero carb. I just really struggle with it. And I yeah. just keep trying to nudge, even just, I miss salad so much. I need yeah. to nudge like a few cherry tomatoes back in. And it's mad, that it? Sometimes I get away with it and then sometimes I flare and I'm like, oh God. It's so funny. We had to laugh the other day because like Kerish was like reflecting on the... The celeriac. The celeriac and what she <laughs> Chris. She was like, oh God, I'm such a letdown. You know, like, you know, like just really kind of overindulged on Christmas. I was like, on what? She was like, well, I just shouldn't have had that celeriac. <laughs> and I was just like, this is hilarious. Can you imagine anyone else going like, oh God. Say far too much celeriac this Christmas. Oh, no, it's like, Normally it'd be like, you know, too many mince pies, too much wine. I, and it's, but, I did, but, I mean, I ate too much full stop, like, because I had turkey stuffing. I made my own yeah, stuffing. No, no, like, but, but, but what I'm saying is, is like, that's just because of like your situation, your circumstances, you know, where you've been with your symptoms for the last five years. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, again, it's not that celeriac's bad or anything like that. There's a lot of information out there. You know, where, you know we are very neutral, as you know. That probably irritates the the fuck out of a lot of people, but we know that you know one thing can work great for some one person and be terrible for somebody else. Like, and that's why one human's what's it? I can't think. It's another human's person. What's what? poison? Food. One person's food. I'm trying to change it to human person, not man, because it's right. I'm a woe man. You are. Yeah. <laughs> one I, human's food is another human's poison. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We'll roll with that. But it's true though, right? Yeah. And it's like you, you've got to be able to to kind of take the information that is out there and just kind of stop for a moment and go like, you know, is this working for me? You know, on whatever level that it is. And, you know, because I know for me, like I've never had a body composition issue, but then I've sometimes been so bloody bloated because of my food that I'll look at a picture and it looks like I've got a pot belly. Yeah, Do you remember, I remember saying to you, like, like through my T-shirt, it looks like I've got a, a little pot belly. Yeah. And... And it's like, obviously, that's not that's not the case. Yeah. To be fair, again, some people find when they, um, some clients I work with will do elimination diets and they'll go, oh, I've lost weight and I didn't expect to. And genuinely, they can lose weight. But what I'll also highlight is you've also lost a lot of bloating. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that can change scale weight. Cause they, yeah, because they'll say that as well. They'll like, I feel, but even like I just feel lighter. Yeah, Before yeah, we get yeah. to that, I feel lighter. Yeah, my, my, my clothes are looser. Because so. not being bloated is a nice feeling. Oh, yeah. You know, blo- bloating is uncomfortable, right? And the reality was I was just carrying a lot of bloating. Yeah, because you know, then as soon as the bloating would go, I'd eat again, yeah. <laughs> and it's back. It's, but, in, it's, um, it's interesting you say about the food thing because I have to highlight. If we might have mentioned it on the previous podcast, there is an amazing podcast with Dr. Chatterjee and Tommy Wood very recently mm. talking about um, the subject is actually brain health. Um, obviously, with Dr. Tommy doing his research, 
but they go off on different tangents and Dr. Chesty talks a bit about carnivore diet and says how one of his friends is using it to resolve an autoimmune condition yeah. and she's had phenomenal results and yeah. she's tried everything eliminating everything and she's tried plant based and she's tried the autoimmune protocol paleo everything and finally gone carnivore and seen resolution of her symptoms and he was saying how the medical world just keeps writing off the carnivore diet as like some mm. kind of mad extreme craze but he's like when you know someone that's had this life-changing benefit it make i feel like it's mad that we're not thinking about researching why is this working for people mm. and there's a lot of thoughts on it chris cresser says it mimics a fast there's massive shifts in the microbiome i know tommy mentions lucy mailing who's again a researcher in gut health who he has a lot of respect for I've done a few of her courses and she thinks that the gut is really able to adapt to, you know, kind of getting nutrition from a lot of different sources. And mm. if you're only going to give it meat, it can really adapt and get amazing sustenance from it. But you're also taking out a lot of compounds that would aggravate the immune system or be a cross-reactive protein and trigger an immune yeah. system response, inflammation, all of those sorts of things, histamine, you know, you're taking out a lot of things that could be potentially problematic and it's a really nice conversation between two medical professionals who are like why are we not listening to this why do we have to be because there's also this frustration i think at the moment where a lot of the public health guidelines are shifting to more of a plant-based model yeah. and that's because there's some key influential people as we mentioned on the previous podcast that are play, paying a lot of money to the people who will make those statements those public health statements you know so food manufacturers who are making kind of plant-based foods and things basically bribing you know paying large amounts to the government to be able to make these statements and then on the kind of boards that decide what our public health nutrition guidelines are i think there was one where there was like 15 people were plant-based it's just crazy yeah. one was <laughs> omnivorous so there's a lot of frustration i think again with with people who are genuine scientists who as we said at the very beginning are happy to change their mind on things yeah. and, and this is the other thing that the guy from high performance said was be like a scientist be ready to have your hypothesis proven wrong and this is the problem with science that's gone out the window yeah. no one thinks like that anymore everyone starts a study trying to fluff the results no to make to basically prove what they thought in the first place, you know, like yeah. really trying to skew the results in some way. And I don't go into that level of detail, like looking at research, but I just listen to a few people who do, you know, Tommy being one of them. Um, there's also uh, someone called Greg Potter who goes straight in and looks at, you know, research and trials and stuff like that. And straight away says whether there's something that's, you know, that's not even a human study. That's, you know, that's based on animal studies. Like what? That's why are we listening to the, you know, you can pull things apart like straight away. Well, I think we were just talking about individuality, yeah, basically, yeah, but also and, and how those different things can work for people. Yeah, and, and having that open mind, like yeah, you said, yeah. having that, you know, being open to being proven wrong. And I think that's why we love Dr. Tommy Wood so much is because, like, he doesn't say, oh, everyone should be on the carnivore diet. No, no. But he knows that some people benefit very well from the carnivore, from the carnivore so he diet. So he wouldn't laugh it off or say it was no. crazy or extreme. Exactly. Or... He's very he's very open. And, and I think I that, say, actually, that's I forgot, how... I forgot to mention when you were talking about the fasting and training on the fasting, I went to an event, I can't remember if I mentioned this on a podcast, with in Sheffield. It was a conference with the Public Health Collaboration who are almost like slightly against the public health guidelines right. um, and trying to develop more objective you know kind of science-based stuff and they got in a room to debate um the carnivore diet and should we eat vegetables it was short dr sean baker who is kind of one of the carnivore protagonists yeah. and he is a medical doctor 
And then it was against Patrick Holford, who's a nutritionist who thinks we need to eat 30 different variations on plant foods a week yeah. and eat all the antioxidants. And then there was uh, another plant-based, she was a vegan doctor. And then there was another carnivore guy, I can't think what his name was. And then they all debated and it was really interesting um, listening to them all. But James Cracknell, the Olympic uh, rower was there and he was talking about like you when he was rowing it was all about fueling on carbohydrates yeah. sports drinks gels all that kind of stuff and then he'd had an accident in australia where he'd been knocked off his bike that's right it's quite yeah. famous and he got a really bad head injury and i don't know if i told the story on the podcast have i what, about how he got it should we, should we save that for another time? I'll tell it really quickly. Go on then, quickly. Very quickly. They were in Australia cycling and they had to, and the reason I'm like, I totally get why you did this, but they have to cycle <laughs> a certain amount each day. And then for some reason, I think the crew were like, it's getting dark, we need to pack up. We're not going to make it to the hotel. So you need to get the bike in the van and we drive the rest of it. We'll just say that you cycled it. And he couldn't bear that thought. So yeah. he got up early the next day, got his bike and went back to cycle it. And that's where a lorry, the wingman of a lorry hit him on the back of the head, knocked him off his bike. And he was in a coma, I think, for months. Wow. Um, had a really serious head injury and, you know, months and months, I think nearly a year of rehabilitation. And since then, like, I don't know if that's how he's kind of got into the experimental side of things, but he's been doing a lot of kind of fasting, um, low-carb, keto diet stuff. So him and a bunch of other guys that were kind of hosting this conference decided to do um, a five-day fast and then cycle... I can't remember how many miles it was, but a ridiculous amount of miles every day and stay in hotels so that they weren't tempted to eat. So they booked a hotel and did this massive bike ride and and did the whole thing fasted. And he said the same thing as you. Like I used to think I needed food all the time yeah. to fuel performance. And it was absolutely astounding what my body could do in a fasted state, let yeah. alone... Uh, he said it, it, without carbs was impressive, but in a fasted state is phenomenal. Yeah. We have thousands of calories to live on and... You know, and he said, I think back to caveman times, we would have done this fasted. You would have hunted fasted and yeah. gone for days without food and stuff. So, it, yeah, it's just interesting. Someone at his level with his kind of, you know, you think nutrition knowledge and stuff, but he'd never tried that kind of carb cycling or low carb or keto. But he's now keto, I think. I think that might be because of the brain injury as well. Obviously. Yeah, potentially. I mean, like I said, I mean, you, you've got to be able to kind of like make your own decisions, haven't you? And be able to look at what's in front of you. You know, I'm not... You know, I train now because I, I enjoy it and I enjoy lifting heavy and I enjoy my CrossFit sessions and my little, you know, kettlebell circuits. And it's like, you know, I'm not trying to perform at the highest level as such, you know, other than the highest level for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I go to the gym and I think it's just opened my mind. Like even today, like I, I said to you, didn't I? Like I, I just go to the gym with zero expectation now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I sometimes I have a plan. And I follow it. Sometimes I go, then I literally wing it and I do whatever I feel as I'm going along. Yeah. And and that's because just because where I'm at now with my training, you know, like I... It's quite a shift from when you first started doing CrossFit. So I remember being a bit concerned because you did some absolutely beastly workouts and I was like... Oh. One, I was worried you were going to get injured. Two, I was worried oh, you were going to burn out. Yeah. But, or like burn yourself out, knack at yourself. And then thirdly, there was like, you got into getting Haribo sweets and all this sugary stuff to fuel it. And I get that because it was really glycolytic. Yeah. It was like very glucose demanding training. And I kept buying you like dried mango and then Haribo would just appear in the cupboard like the week later. Well, to be fair, in my defense, 
people were just buying it for me. <laughs> but it's funny because it is, it is <laughs> part of the... People being my mum. Yeah. <laughs> well, she would always go, oh, there's a bug off on Haribo. But it's My mum's the... a funny one though. Like if she ever cottons on that I like something or you like something... I know, she buys so much. She would just She won't just buy you some she'll buy like a year's worth yeah if it's she'll on sale like, oh, well, I, got you. I saw you've been having Haribo so I got you some yeah. it's like here's a garden sack full yeah, she's she she getting you creatine at one point because I brought it oh uh, yeah and then she's, she's like does he like that stuff I was like yeah and then literally you Bosh. Was, I always say to you it's six times like, of creatine it's like Harry Potter when the letters come through the oh, letterbox creatine sorry yeah. Chris keeps putting me up on how I pr- pronounce I get home and there's like six tubs of crea- creatine creatine but also, I was just going to say that with CrossFit, there was that culture of like train hard, kind of party, not party hard, but like eat, eat pizza and eat sugar. Yeah, basically. And what's kind of interesting, because this is happening to a friend of ours recently, is the one thing you were concerned about in the end with the sugar, because you were like, it wasn't really affecting your body comp or anything like that. You like you said, because you were training pretty hard. Mm. Is you you were like you got um my tooth, tooth. My teeth, yeah, yeah you got gum receding gum didn't yeah. you? And then you were like oh, and the dentist started to say you need. You might need the fill in. Might turn me off like a little kid. Yeah, and then uh, this is happening to a friend. So many sweets, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a friend who basically works really a physical job and doesn't need to worry, you know, about body composition and eats a lot of kind of biscuits and stuff. Custard creams. But now he's saying, I'm really worried about my teeth that they're really mm. like but, but, getting a bit wrecked by this. But again, another lovely reminder, you know, like that we can move away from, from body composition and fat loss. And it's interesting, like, don't get me wrong, I know like fat loss is a big goal for, for some people and it's a bloody necessary goal for some people from, from a health point of view. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but there's always so much more at play and that's what's been a big eye-opener for me you know like this year in terms of like just listening to my body a bit more on a on a much bigger level you yeah. know that the bloaty and the energy crashes my teeth you know whereas yeah, yeah, before yeah. it was you know it sounds bad but it was almost as narrow-minded as fueling fueling my performance and, and recovery i was gonna say there's also that element we've talked about this i think that you often might envy someone who doesn't can eat what they like and doesn't have a body composition issue. But I often think it may in some some ways be harder for that person because they'll start to experience the impact of being able to eat whatever they like. Yeah. But maybe won't have the make the link that this is linked to my diet. You know, because if you exercise and your body composition is healthy yeah. and you're not seeing and you're relatively fit, you would definitely put yourself in that healthy bracket and say yeah. I'm healthy and everyone thinks I'm healthy and I go to the gym and 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 even if you know a couple of meals are healthy, if you are having things like cereal for breakfast and toast and stuff, and it can be home home meal to, home meal whole meal. <laughs> I don't know why I said home meal whole meal toast <laughs> it can be whole meal toast and you can almost go you know I'm the public health governmental definition of healthy but actually there can be blood sugar roller coasters going on there could be like you just said like you're not giving yourself enough nutrients mm. so you could be causing issues for your joints for your bones for your immune system your gut could be starting to kick off so it is actually equally as hard for those individuals sometimes as someone who may experience the consequences of making certain food choices sooner in terms of their body composition and yeah. gain weight. Okay, I've got to do something about this. 
So I know I definitely had friends like at school and university who've managed to eat whatever they liked till the age of 40 and then now they're starting to have health issues yeah. and they're finding it really hard to make this link between nutrition and health because they're like, yeah, but I've eaten this way for 40 years and this has only happened now. And I'm like, well, that's because you have a very different body. You're like yeah. a car. You're, you're, you're 40 years old. Like, like think of a car but, running around for 40 years. What but, happens to it? Like, yeah, yeah, it's not it, the same car. It's the, that, that, that conversation of like, you know, same as training. You know, you, you can't train the way that you used to train. No. You can't get away with the physical stuff that you used to. Like it takes a bit longer to recover, to yeah. warm up. Like, but at the end of the day, it's part and parcel, and you just you got to accept it, like it's shit. But you got to accept it. Oh, well, I don't know about that because there's still a ton of stuff that you can do. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm saying accept it and do something about yeah, yeah, it. I'm not saying I'll oh, just accept it. It's and the some, way it and, is. And some people it won't happen to. You know, some people. It... Well, you know, it's like for me now. Like you know, like I know that how I prep for a weight training session now is very different to what I did 20 years ago. Yeah. But I, I just embrace it because, in many respects, I'd say that I'm healthier now than I used to be you know I just need to be a bit more conscious yeah in how I go about it yeah I wouldn't say I am any of those things but I'm cold and I haven't trained all oh, week Keris, <laughs> Keris is a bit 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 down at the moment aren't you yeah. my new year's been a shocker Keris's life is shit basically <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that's my that's my uh, Splinter podcast that I'm going to set up. Why like shit? Hi and welcome to... 2024 has just been a disaster, isn't it? Already. <laughs> We're only a week in. It's funny because I think, like, if you were to look at my social media, you'd be like, her life's amazing. But if you were to talk to me, I'd go, my life's really shit. <laughs> I have struggled to get out of bed every single day this year. Oh. We're only like six days in, but I'm, I've literally had to list reasons to get out of bed. That's oh. how bad it is. And then but, I got, and then I got sick. So there um, we go. I'm, oh, I'm, giving, I'm giving a hug now. Oh, thank you. It's okay. <laughs> Will you appear on my podcast? My yeah, life is definitely. Shit. Definitely. I'm, I'm really intrigued. I could get people on who think their life's shit and we could compete. Yeah. Who's got the shittest life? <laughs> yeah. Put it, and then you could put it to a public vote. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who wins? Oh my God, I yeah, look, well, that'd be really good. This is... on, on that note. <laughs> um, guys, hope you enjoyed that and got some value from it. If there's any questions whatsoever on, on what we have spoken about, you know, whether you've got a bit of experience with it, anything you'd like to know more, just give us a shout. Contact us on social media or send us an email at info at fitterfood.com. And if you would be so kind, it would mean the world to us to spare a minute to leave us a review. Um, it helps people to find the podcast. It does. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. We'd be forever grateful. We would. Thank you in advance. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.